0: Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter, and on today's episode, I'll try to make friends with mascot, actor, director, producer, musician, content creator, and children's book author Mikey Navarro faster than I got blown up just trying to announce all of his credits. I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand up comedian, and a ranch dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works, other times, not so much. Hi. Mikey, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. Thank you so much. Um, so you, first round, you grew up in Oregon, right? Like the yes. f- full life?
1: Um, um, yes, I grew up in Oregon all the way up to twenty three, twenty four, where I moved to San Francisco.
0: Okay. Okay. Where you grew up just outside of Portland, right?
1: Yes. I grew up in Happy Valley. Well, it was Clackamas slash Happy Valley at the time. I got moved into a town called Happy Valley because it all just merged and the zip codes changed and... Um, suburb of Portland. So we honestly grew up in a really great area. It was, um, really great schools, really great community. Um, have a lot of friends still from there and, um, you know, it was just like a really awesome childhood. Uh, you know, we had a hill that we would always sled down when it snowed and at the same time it would be Oregon. So it would rain nine times out of the year. So being able to, <laughs> you know, find activities in your home and with friends, it was always just, um. You know, getting into trouble, but also was uh, not too uh, big or too small to have you know crazy experiences, but just really humble uh, beginnings. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Can you pr- can you pronounce the name of the town again for me?
1: Uh, Happy Valley, Oregon. Oh, Clack or Cla- uh, slash Clackamas. Yeah, Clackamas. Clackamas. Okay. Yeah.
0: I had that written, and I was like, I'm not even trying <laughs> to pronounce that because I will butcher. Um, is that area like? I know in general, Portland has this sort of like keep portland weird vibe does that area kind of like fall into that being in the suburbs or is it like does it evade the the halo of weirdness
1: no it's definitely i mean i think oregonians are you just unique in a very great way and i think that just being a suburb of portland obviously we were born into the prideness of being weird or being different and you know at clackamas high school it was just a you know, very eclectic group of people from, you know, different ranges and backgrounds of life. Um, it was a really good melting pot. And I think, it, you know, you see other areas of, you know, where other schools were, and we were just very, uh, a good, just mix of everything and having different, um, a lot of just different abilities to do a lot of what we wanted to do, but just backgrounds of people and, um, you know, different ranges of life, it was, it was a good, just community, a strong community.
0: That's awesome. Because I grew up like in a town of 600 white people. Yeah. (laughs) So I had never been around anyone that wasn't like me until Jesus, honestly, college was the first time, (laughs) which is, that's an insane way to grow up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's not, I think Oregon is, is is unique where you have your areas of, you know, different um, um, honest, you know, ethnicities that do, I guess congregate in certain areas, but for, you know, for Clackamas and, you know, where I was growing up and it was, it felt like a really good, you know, melting pot of everyone. Um, yeah. and then, you know, over time, I think you realize just the more you can go towards different, you know, like careers, like jobs, like schools, um, locations, you can really see that, um, you know, community is everywhere. And I got that same experience at, um, university of Oregon where I went to school, um, even further. It was, it was a really strong community and, um, really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Are you an only child?
1: No, I'm, I have a brother and a sister. I have an older brother and an older sister.
0: Okay. So you're the youngest. Yes. Um, one of the pieces of, or one thing that I saw uh, when, when uh, kind of snooping around was that a uh, quote where you said that my dad has always told me to do what I love, that things will work themselves out, which is amazing advice, by the way, <laughs> but yeah. advice that you said you've taken to heart. Can you tell us a little bit about your dad and what you think made him have such a great perspective?
1: My dad um, grew up in Los Angeles, having been put into the workforce early and, you know, wanting to get a college education. He really wanted to be a lot bigger than what maybe he was provided. And not to say that he didn't have a bad childhood, like my whole family is hardworking Mexicans and, you know, Japanese, and there was a lot of just, we have to work to, you know, represent and have to be, you know, from the ground up, like strong people, but also very hard workers, because to get anywhere, especially which the 1950s, 60s, um, it was all establishment of like, whatever we can get and create some, you know, generational just power behind what we do. And my dad was very much like a workhorse and worked, you know, his ass off just being um, at Safeway, he was uh, he bagged groceries, um, but from there, you know, he grew up, you know, to management, and then moved over to, um, you know, loss prevention, where he would also doubled as a cop. So just being able to be a, you know, a police officer and um, also work in Safeway for security and loss prevention—it was a mix of both worlds. Getting a, you know, a, a, a white collar job or you know, having a, an office job really was like the destination, and mm-hmm. I think that wasn't provided by his college education because he only um, went to junior college. Um, and he wanted to pursue history. He wanted to, I think he wanted to study history and be his historian in some museum really. You said you didn't know what you wanted to do when you grew up. How old were you when
0: you kind of figured out that? Cause I know that in high school you, you focused on music and the arts, but how old were you like when you figured out like, this is where I'm gravitating towards
1: I would say sophomore year of high school, um, freshman year I think was just a shock, and I didn't, didn't understand like like the norm of what was. But honestly, it was like sophomore year where it clicked, and I had conversations conversations with my dad, and um, you know just because we have to choose an area of focus, mm-hmm. we have to really kind of think about what's after college, and a lot of the curriculum was kind of based on, you know, somewhat of the after. Um, to start thinking about applying for college and such and so um, just that mindset and filling up my schedule already with music classes because I didn't want to do math and I didn't want to do like all uh, these other electives that I felt like I didn't really have a purpose to to for me to learn or I wanted to learn I just really was so driven towards music and the arts um, theater and entertainment that's I wanted to focus and completely fill my schedule and that's where um, I just I'd spent my time even before school and after school. I, I decided I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be um, the best possible performer I can. Like my first gig was like with the uh, Portland Trailblazers. I uh, joined their drum line, their uh, Portland Trailblazers groove machine. Uh, I was bass player number five. I always chose the biggest instruments for some reason, but <laughs> I had, you know, I was like that. I love sports. I love entertainment. It, it, and I wanted to just keep doing that. And I felt like there can be a career seeing how I was being, you know, kind of mentored by some great musicians and great drummers that were making careers just off of drumming.
0: Can I ask you a question about Drumline? A very random question that's kind Go of ahead. off topic. No. Have you seen the movie, the motion picture Drumline?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Is that
0: a, that's not a positive review of it? <laughs>
1: no, it's a very it's a very positive review. I okay. I I know this uh, movie almost by heart. I'll watch it whenever <laughs> it's on. I. I know all the cadences pretty well, just yeah. as a drummer, and um, I've always uh, admired that movie.
0: There's a song that's on the soundtrack that is what I would call in our house we would call an unconventional banger. Okay. Um, it was it's "Blow Me Up with Your Love" by J C Chazé from In Sync. I don't know if you know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is it's honestly one of my favorite like. <laughs> terrible pop songs like, <laughs> of all time so I had to ask if, if you I knew have it to, and if you had seen that
1: is it just on the CD or is it in the movie
0: uh I know it's on the CD for sure because I, I had the CD because this okay. was before like you could buy singles on iTunes and stuff I think uh but like after Napster would sue you for downloading them, so somewhere in between there, uh, so yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I had the actual CD for it. it's. It's actually got a pretty good sound. I was in marching band too, like not I wasn't okay. good, but I was in band. Uh, so there were a lot of songs in there that I that I thought were good. But yeah, I I probably still own the CD somewhere outside of Drumline. What else did you like throw yourself into there in high school?
1: Um, I did the school musicals. Um, I was I my sister was in the musicals before me. And that was a big inspiration of why I wanted to pursue though. Cause I, I love just musical theater and I wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, I did symphony in the mornings. Um, I did cross country, which was not really entertainment based, but it, I really honestly did it to meet girls. and It was, a, it was a good time. Um, it
0: would be entertaining and, to watch me try to run cross country. <laughs> Probably.
1: Uh, I mean, have you, have you explored that route? Have you done anything no. to check or okay. God no! Okay,
0: (laughs) I barely passed (laughs) PE, Mikey, in high school.
1: (laughs) Uh, It was I wasn't a great runner, but I I enjoyed running. I mean, I I I was, I was fine. I was my brother was a great runner, and he um, influenced me to join in. and I don't know. It was it was fun. It was fun to just run and hang out with friends. That's how I saw it It was a activity, not like I can compete because I was no, I was not (laughs) not a runner. Did you meet girls doing that? Yeah, I had oh, a- so, okay, it was yeah. a success. Sure, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did they pan out? No, but it, it was, it was, um no, it was just an activity for me to stay active and to honestly do sports. I love sports, um, but I found out really early on I couldn't do football, I couldn't do basketball. Like, my height um, didn't really help me out there, and so I just really focused on music and entertainment, and that was a, mm-hmm. not just like a tough pill to swallow, but that's where I- spent my time and, um, I really just wanted to mash the two together of like sports, sports, entertainment and theater. And that was like a perfect transition into like, uh, my senior year. Um, well my junior year, my, uh, friend, um, Kyle Ellison, he started a mascot there at Clackamas high school. And, you know, that was his senior project was to create the mascot for Clackamas and was a cavalier. And, you know, he was graduating, um, that spring and he had to figure out, well, who's going to be the actual person inside the suit. Um, I just, I knew this was like a perfect fit, um, yeah. because I, 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 was in theater, I was in sports. I was a, you know, kind of the spirited fan of the you know, student sections at the basketball, football games. And so you didn't,
0: your school didn't have a mascot before your junior year. No. Were you always the Cavaliers though?
1: Yes. We were always okay. a Cavalier. There just, just never wasn't a mascot. Correct. And, you know, Kyle made this and, uh, you know, it was a fine suit, but I, I knew that I could take this and apply like just what I'm doing. I know it's not like the best presentation and the most glamorous of opportunities, but it allowed me just to be creative, allowed me to perform. And, um, you know, I, I that was my big, like just movement of what I wanted to do was I wanted to go to Oregon to study music and I wanted to be the, the Oregon duck. Well, let's
0: talk about college a little bit. You mentioned it before, but you went to the university of Oregon.
1: Um, like you said, you had two sort
0: of things that you wanted to accomplish to study music and to be the mascot. Did you study like musical performance or like what was your sort of concentration in music?
1: It was general music. Uh, I did, I was performing. I had to, we had to choose an instrument and i I sang, I tried on my drums and well, I auditioned on my drums and my cello I didn't get in I did audition on my voice and I got in which was probably my, my weaker of my three and I got in and I, like, I gotta take that I gotta run and we I learned it's a the general degree of that is you know music history it's it's um, music theory it's aural skills it's keyboard skills and then a concentration on your voice so being able to play with the band, choir, and then solo as well. And that's part of the curriculum.
0: I have a lot of questions about the mascot, no, so I'm yeah. sorry if that's it. <laughs> um, when did you like decide, you obviously went there knowing like, I wanna do this. Did you try out like right away? Or like, did you kind of like work up to that? Meaning like your freshman year or like, did you go, was it a couple years after?
1: Right. Um, I knew I wanted to be the duck. I of the duck My, I, in high school. Um, And then going into college, there was, it's not advertised about how to go about this path. (laughs) And that's just the nature of the beast is it. It's very secretive for a reason. And we had to go find the way into that circle and to have that process, the trial process. It wasn't just advertised anywhere. It's not advertised. It's not talked about. It's, It's a secret society. And, I went down the rabbit hole of trying to find out how to do this. I talked to people that were friends with cheerleaders. Um, I went to a cheerleading clinic to try to have conversations. And just by networking uh, magically, I was at a party um, where the mascot was there. And my friend who had a friend who was a cheerleader, um, he just introduced me and we had the conversation then and there If I'm very interested in um, helping you out. And you know, the mascot at the time we exchanged emails, uh, the process. And then in that spring I tried out of my freshman year for the mascot and I did not get it. Um, and that was pretty devastating cause I wanted yeah. to, uh, I felt like I could really help this program or help this, Um, Character be, um, you know, something strong and something that does have a lot of um, just my skill set to, like, just for the taking. And that's really, like, the the whole idea of this character is to provide for the mascot and to be able to, you know, work for him. It's never the other way around. So I, I just felt like there was a lot that I could offer just with my experiences at Clackamas, but also where my ideas led and where this could be. Um, so I didn't get too devastated because the next year I was able to audition again. And at that time I was, uh, I got the, I got the job and that was also on the same time, um, where this mascot was able to do a lot more, um, type of events and opportunities because just the history of the Oregon duck was, there was a a partnership with Disney, uh, Mm -hmm. since 1953 or 54, um, where we've been under Disney's likeness of Donald Duck and because of that there's been a lot of restrictions of out of state appearances and um, commercial appearances that um, always have to get approved by Disney mm-hmm. um, but just the nature of the beast of when I was getting hired and when that moment was um, it was all, the restrictions got lifted um, after a couple incidents within the program um, and from there it was, it was, uh, I was able to really work on this character and be able to put it into a position where we wanted to, and always wanted to, um, that we weren't able to because of, um, Disney restrictions.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to talk about this? Like, I'm not going to get you in trouble by asking these questions. Am I, no. cause you said it was like a secret society.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Ask away. Am I
0: in, am I in the Am I in now?
1: I mean, we're pretty close to friends almost already, so... Okay,
0: okay. What's the... Uh, so can, can you tell me what the audition's like and who are the judges?
1: Sure. Um, so the mascot um, is the judge, and he does... or Oh, she like does, the, out,
0: the outbound? Uh,
1: like the mascot itself. The duck oh. itself is the judge okay. and the crew of um, assistants to the duck. They yeah. are other contributors to... Mm-hmm. the judging process and the trial process but it really does um it has a lot to do with improv a lot to do with um character movement and just um i authenticity uh it, you know this character does have a sense of humor does have a chip on a shoulder is the big man on campus the big woman on campus and the idea of being able to present that Um, is key, but it's also where else can you surprise maybe the current duck and surprise this team because it's always evolving it's always going to be able to push the envelope. It's never stuck. I mean, you can be the, I'm not going to, you know, some mascots might have the same bit and might be the same person that they have been for 50 years, but that's not the duck. The duck is is ever-changing, and it, it is part of the job requirement to keep it, um evolve and keep it moving forward and um seeing where it can go.
0: Did you feel sometimes like you were living sort of like <laughs> going back to the secrecy, sort of like a double life?
1: Um yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um I mean that's really we had to keep it a hush of who the duck was and you know maybe the 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 people that were friends of the duck. it's it's it it's it was very very a close tight secret but people knew um but um it, that wasn't why we do it it's really the just like the um to to be a representative of the university was really important to us but we had a lot of fun we had a lot of fun doing this and um sorry if i didn't elaborate on just like the process but you know the the tryout is really it's, it's you improvise you you go around you get to walk around campus you have to interact with people and that's really what it's all about i mean you can be big you can be big on stage that's like the easier part, and that's like that's really fun. But really, the magic of it is being able to be one with a student, one with your peers, and to be able to have these interactions, whether they're with children or with you know alumni or students. Um, that's that's why we do it. It's because it's really, really a fun opportunity. We love being able to, you know, have showmanship and you know be those um, you know. It, 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 we had a we had a personality that was very big and loud, but we didn't always present it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when you put when you're a friend of the duck or with the duck, it, it just, it it's a big splash. It's, it's loud. It's, it's bright. It's, and that, that group, um, of, of of ducks is, is really my closest, like uh, we've been through so much. We all have so such great stories and, um, it's a very unique club that I'm very, very proud to be a part of.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, during the time that you were in college, there was some pretty cool experiences, like um, being the first mascot to be a guest picker on college game day, right, to like uh, being on late night with Jimmy Fallon. Do you have like, you, you said you have a lot of moments. Do you have like a favorite? I know it's like asking you to pick a favorite child, probably.
1: <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I was very blessed at the time that um, our coach, Chip Kelly, uh, taught You know, our uh, not taught our team how to win, but like our coach just brought a whole breath, like a breath of fresh air to you know what Oregon's brand was, which was innovation and being able to um, you know change the game um, of how football was kind of being done. We had this offense that um, it was it was fast, it was it was punchy, it was quick, Um, and with that, we got a lot of just. Um, attention, both from you know how we perform. We performed very well and had a great run of games. But um, just the community and what the the brand was around those chip years was very special. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, just being an Oregon fan my whole life, um, and just a student being able to be a part of the of those uh, football games um, to see those games in the just the way I did, and to you know be, be crowd surfing and holding up roses and experience the Rose bowl and go to Rose bowl and then, then national championship. And to, to be, the whole thing was just absolutely the, the, I'm like the luckiest person to have experienced something like that. Um, I don't think there's one moment that really like stuck out out of like the football side, just cause it's all, it was beautiful. Um, but really it was that, it was that um, that appearance. I I got to go before the national championship to Jimmy Fallon. Um, he, he they did a a power ballad. They they picked whether Auburn or Oregon was going to get you know a power ballad written for them. Every every school has a fight song. No one has a power ballad. Mm-hmm. So they chose Oregon, and so we got to shoot a music video together. Um, and that was a really cool moment because that was just right right before we was going to go to a national championship like my senior year it was just like it, it felt like a dream but being able to go um, you know to that studio I think it was in 6, 8 uh, it was a couple floors down from SNL I've always been a big Saturday Night Live fan I've always watched um, you know Jimmy on you know late when 7th and 8th grade when he was on and then to be able to be on a show was incredible and um, you know he took the time to talk to me as a as a student just wanting to explore this route even further and so i he invited me onto the stage and we just sat in the chair i I was i was in a known duck outfit and he was him but um in a oregon football out um uniform and we just talked for three hours while everyone while the they were setting up the stage and getting breaking things down for us to film this music video in we just talked we just talked about SNL. We talked about what I wanted to do and he, you know, gave me advice and it it was just such a incredible moment of just like what I was able to be a part of, but being able to take what, you know, he really taught me and, and was, um, you know, advising me on just to, to heart. And I've, I've kept that to this day. And I think that was a, a big, um, moment of, just clarity of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and how to go about it because it very is doable just to have that human interaction with someone that I really respected. Like Jimmy is, was, um, not everyone gets to experience that. (laughs) Um, and it was just a really awesome, um, appearance.
0: That's, that's pretty awesome. One of the last questions I have regarding this is like during sort of the time that you were there, you know, social media kind of The whole landscape of social media changed. Right. So I know that you played a part in sort of getting the duck on the channels and sort of like shaping the content strategy for like, what is it like, what would the duck post? Like, why do people care? How do they engage all of that stuff? And I think this has been obviously a big, we'll get into this as we like go into sort of where you went next or, you know, where you are now even. What was that like? Navigating like in a big organization like that, like you said, that's in a in a high visibility, lots of donors, lots of alumni, emerging platforms. Like, talk us through how you were able to kind of find success there.
1: I felt like at the time it wasn't as probably monitored and supervised and managed. Um, it was very much the wild west of where things could be and. Um, Just the profession of being a social media manager was not existent, really, in a lot of places. It was very new, um, if anywhere, Um, but uh, just having grown up with a MySpace and a Facebook (laughs) and then Twitter and then Instagram and TikTok and just to see the stages at the time with Facebook and Twitter and then Instagram was very much the time I was around that program um, it was an ability to create a voice for this character that didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, the athletic department was very cool about you know, letting it be ran by a student um, that was at the pulse of it because just to be able to show there was a lot of um, opportunities and um, ab- abilities to present a-, a great voice and a great you know, great content that is very exclusive to fans or just fans of the program and alumni. And um, it it was a, it was smart to apply um, and give those keys and that access to our team um, who is traveling and doing a lot of different ways to get out there. Mm -hmm. We were very driven to be um, a big, um, to make a splash and to have a voice and to have those conversations with influencers and to make good content and from the jump I I, I I wanted just content strong content is king is queen it, it's very much the the, the 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 factor of social and we didn't want this um, handle on the platform to be about well'll go visit you know I'm going to be at Bymart for from seven to eight and come get your photo like, I don't want to be about about appearances um, as much about let's provide the voice of the fan the voice of the student the voice of um, you know this personality that is then reflected on on court on the fo- on the field at appearances in real life it personifies just this character further because not everyone gets to go to a football game or go to the school mm-hmm. but people do run into tweets on their timeline that is international and that's how we saw this traffic being done it branches out it branched us further and still to this day um the students that student that the duck that runs it is, is a very, um, very content forward mind. It's a very, um, creative, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a really important asset to the diversity. Um, you know, to understand this is student led, this is driven by the minds of, um, the betterment of this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not everywhere. Basically, uh, content, content um that's driven with quality and uh, authenticity that shines overall over any type of strategy is is be mindful of what you can and can't say always run it by people that should see it um and you should be good it's uh, don't take it too seriously people usually get on twitter and instagram and tiktok because um, they want to not do their jobs and they can be on social and if you can take that mindset and apply it to fans. It's, it's, everyone can win. Everyone can have a a laugh
0: from there. It's when you combine the sort of the experiences that you had and the talent that you have and the skills that you have, um, you have gone on to do, I like, I couldn't even start to summarize quite honestly when I, when I started looking like all the things that you've done. So I'm going to ask you to kind of walk us through where like, what kind of doors have opened based on the combination of those things for you since you graduated?
1: Yes. Um, I, after I graduated, I, I still felt like no one was going to, um, hire me as a graduate. No one's going to hire a singing mascot. Just that's a, um, not on the job description. And I (laughs) realized that social media was a good marketing angle that I used it Um, you know, I, have used at least not the handle, but I, I, created an experience that does provide a, um, a reason. It provides a utility. It provides, um, you know, the tangible of why good social is important for, um, a brand, for an organization, for a company. Um, and there are opportunities that are, you know, financial that can come from this. Mm -hmm. as well Uh, at the university of Oregon for about a year and a half after I graduated, um, coaching, um, the mascot, you know, just of what everything I, I knew and projected it even further. So social media and coaching performance. Um, but also I, I DJed at the local bar. Um, I, I did sound and audio engineering for the university. I did, um, you know, the baseball games I would do, I would run the sound, um, because I wanted to keep, you know evolving in this space and be more have more skills that can apply to other lines of work um and i just kept applying to a lot of uh, bay area teams because that's where my at the time girlfriend now wife is or mm-hmm. was um i wanted to work for the warriors of giants um 49ers and i got um you know call back to do uh kind of a hype team member for the giants the orange and black attack as they called it um we would throw of uh, Cracker Jacks in fifth inning and you would be on the camera. And so that was my first job in the city was the San Francisco Giants. Um, but I, I knew I could help more. There was, there was a mascot there, Lucille, um, who I you know, wanted to really help out with, it just made a lot of sense. I've been in this world. Let me help you out. Um, and by the end of the year, I, I um, was able to grab drinks with the guy, Joel Zeme and he's just the, he's a legend. Um, he's just it's been the best. mentor to me in the city that I could have ever asked for and it just one thing led to another it was very much if I meet someone here they would recommend me to the 49ers um the Giants recommended me to 49ers I then started doing social media for the 49ers um for a while and then I got a lot in a a better spot to maybe pursue other things and so I started to DJ I started to I brought my car down I was DJing weddings on the weekends and I was a lot, you know, having more of a consistent work life cycle based off of four or five different gigs.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it was a lot and I wanted to keep centralizing just my mind and what, or money makers within my field. It was getting, um, better and better as far as just my living situation. But it was also, I still wasn't really happy with what I was doing. I wanted to be more, a bigger picture and I wanted to, I felt like I wasn't, doing what I was made to be doing. Um, and I was just doing things to a means to an end to have, have a actual life here in San Francisco, one of the most expensive cities in the country. So (laughs) it it didn't really make sense, but I I knew that I can apply what I'm learning and apply my resume of work to, to get a better opportunity, another contract opportunity, or have a discussion. And, um, I, I was really just piecing it together. Um, doing what I can to go and do things that I loved. But luckily just through my like going through these gigs, these processes or being hit up by Oregon for a couple things. And, and this other mascot company for a couple things I, I was able to do at a commercial um, for Nike down in LA um, for Oregon, where I just, it was the best experience. Um, I was working at the startup. I got called, can you please do this commercial? Um, yeah, I did that commercial like out of my crazy schedule, and I'm, I'm lucky I did because just my networking and having conversations there, um, it led to having a discussion with um, Christopher Guest, who was making um, a mockumentary for Netflix um, about mascots. So just by having being a mascot on set, doing a decent job enough to have a conversation with the DP, That is introducing me now to Christopher Guest, the director of a new mockumentary, and needs um, mascot advice. You know, like luck is opportunity meets preparation, and I was just able to know, like, just to give it my best, and it's going to work out. And Mm -hmm. it it really did because I I was able to be a part of that that film, that feature on Netflix, um, because of everything I did. Didn't really all make sense at the time. Um, but just being able to do that um, that movie and be a part of that was a big moment because I that was that I I'm very proud of it. Um, it taught me a lot of just hard work does pay off, and uh, I didn't want to ever do anything that again that was against just not free will. But I just want to do uh, do me, and I want to create amazing. I want to make people happy, and I I love what I do.
0: Yeah, so you know your work has been featured literally everywhere, so, and that's why it was hard for me to sort of try to, to summarize, but, um, I, everything from like New York times to Rolling Stone to Netflix, to ESPN, to Bleacher Report, right. Like just, and, and a lot that I'm probably leaving off, but, um, it's, it's amazing to see you kind of bring this storytelling full circle. Um, and then another spin on that is I want to ask you about your book that, that you got to write. It's called a duck from Oregon tries to fly. Can you tell us about how that came to be and, um, and what that was like?
1: Yes. Uh, as much as you know, I've, like the the duck is, the you know the innovator, the the beacon of you know Oregon pride of innovation and and future thinking. He's uh, the duck is a entrepreneur and an innovator, a dreamer. Um, and the next pursuit that he wanted to do was a book, and just to be able to help that along the way. Um, the whole way was very um, something that we've always wanted to do and accomplish. We've talked about it for a very long time, but we just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And never wrote in a children's book before. <laughs> um, I've, I've read them and I've seen them, but the, you know this duck is special and it, it just needs the, the right story. And so uh, my friend Ty Bowen and I um, uh, partnered up with Dan Boyer. Um, the illustrator and we came up with this story of the duck uh, pursuing how to fly because the duck is, is is was born a little bit different than other ducks. It's you know it's five feet six feet tall, depending on the season, uh, and doesn't really have a complete ability to fly <laughs> per <laughs> the body. And so it's it's about the duck trying to learn. Um, Know, through trial and error and through um, not giving up, um, that it is possible to fly.
0: That's great. Should we give a copy away to one of the um, listeners?
1: Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, that's fine. Let's do it. I'll buy one.
1: Let's have the person literally write the organ duck twi- on Twitter and say you heard the podcast and you would love a free book and – I will talk to the duck, and we will find that person, <laughs> and we'll send it out.
0: Is it the first person, or is everybody that does it entered, and then we'll pick one? <laughs> we got to be—we need to be uh, covering our our ass.
1: Um, let's <laughs> do whoever wants it. I will have the duck pick a person. Okay.
0: All right, sounds good. So, tweet the Oregon that. Duck uh, on Twitter. Uh, tell them that you heard the Fast Friends podcast and you would like your copy of A Duck from Oregon Tries to Fly. Uh, and then you'll be entered and then somebody will randomly be chosen to win a copy of the book. Which is awesome. Great luck. Good luck. It's, uh, it's fun. Um, awesome. I don't have any more questions for this round. I, I don't know. Um, are you still good to run into the 5 for 5?
1: Yeah, I got my questions. I'm, I'm good to go.
0: Awesome. So this round is called 5 for 5. It is named after an Arby's culinary deal from the 1990s where you get five <laughs> classic recipe sandwiches for $5. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way to work is you have five questions for me. I have five questions prepared for you. You are the guest, um, so you get to go first.
1: Awesome. Oh, and we'll uh, do like,
0: sorry, one and one, two and two, <laughs> like back <okay>. and forth.
1: <laughs> that works. Um, what is a time that you got in trouble?
0: Ooh. Um, the first thing that came to mind... I don't know why I want to share this story, but I when I was in junior high, we took a field trip to Washington D.C. for our school, and um, one of the places that we went was like we had we did this like lunch stop between visiting some of the different um, monuments or museums or whatever that was all on our itinerary, and so they took us to this like weird mall thing downtown because there were like multiple food options. And in the mall was like a like a it might have been like a Spencer's, but it was something along the lines of like Spencer's gifts or. And so there was a, there was like a prank thing there called itching powder um, that I bought. And uh and I went to put it on one specific person uh, while we were standing outside waiting to get on the buses, oh. and the wind blew and it went <sighs> all over almost everyone that was there. And so <laughs> I got busted uh, when we got back to school, <laughs> and back back home in Indiana. I think I had to do, like, we had something called noon detention, um, where they would send you, and you, so you, like, would miss lunch hour um, b- because you basically sat in detention. with this really, really, like, um, and I was, like, a good, honestly, I was, like, pre- I'm not just saying this. Like, I was pretty good. Like, I didn't really get in trouble a lot, and I had, like, decent grades and stuff. And so I remember... Um, the lady who ran the lunch detention, her name was Mrs. Armbruster. And if you had somebody, if you weren't somebody that was like a frequenter of noon detention, she would be like, why are you here? And so you'd have to like tell everybody what you did. So the people that were not like everybody knew, you know, uh, that, that I was, that that's what I did. Um, and I remember my, my history teacher, Mr. Hubbard, he was the one that like sort of, he was the sponsor of the trip. And he said, when we got home, he's like, uh, back to school or whatever. He was like, you know, um, I'm really disappointed because this is not something that I expected out of a student like you. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, so that plus three days of noon detention. Uh, and I wonder if anybody else from school still remembers that. But yeah, that's for whatever reason, that's the first memory that popped into my mind when you when you asked. Oh. <laughs>
1: that's, that's fantastic. <laughs>
0: It's a, you know, it's a dumb memory that I, cause like I said, I really didn't get in trouble a lot. So it, it stuck with, and my parents were like livid. Um, so I would do it again though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's just the fact that it's itching powder. Like yeah. I've, I've not heard many people interact with itching powder before, but the fact that you had it and it got on the mass <sighs> is hilarious to me.
0: Yeah. I, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it was definitely targeted and then the wind thwarted my efforts. Um. (laughs) My first question for you is, I guess could be in a similar vein. Um, what is the biggest scandal to rock your hometown? So you're like, (laughs) not Portland, but like Am I saying it? Calacus? Did I say that Clack-a-miss? right? Clackamas? Damn it. Clackamas. <laughs> What's, What's the
1: biggest, biggest scandal, scandal to
0: ever rock Clackamas slash what was the something hill?
1: Oh, Happy Valley.
0: Happy Valley. Well, Jesus, I'm like striking out left and right. Oh, oh
1: no, you're good. Uh, scandal.
0: You don't have scandals there?
1: I mean, we do.
0: <laughs>
1: like, uh, man, that's a good question. Um, I mean scandal i mean we are pretty good um <laughs> i'm just like there. i mean there would be there'd be things that happen where you know everyone would know or people would get in trouble um there was this i mean i guess this one time uh not one time uh we, before football games on a friday night uh we would tailgate uh in the clackamas high school parking lot and like by the stadium entrance so um we would bring up barbecue we would have a spread and we'd have people come through so we would get like a a good corner of um parking spots and over time you know we would be eating into our summer job funds just paying for hot dogs (laughs) or you know we thought we were fancy with like shrimp like buttered shrimp and it was just like a ragtag operation tailgating, but it was in good spirit, and we'd all tailgate before the game. Um, but we <laughs> try to come up with a way to, you know, fund ourselves and our um, what we're doing. So we would park um, several uh, cars and get like uh, parking cones from local construction sites, set them up, and we would sell these parking spots to people that would frequent like the game right before the, the game um you know 20 bucks 10 bucks a piece and everyone was happy everyone was like just yeah that's a great operation it makes a lot of sense because there's no parking over here and we have prime access and, and funds tailgate that uh teachers are coming through and everyone's having a good time uh, but then i one game i went to go in to be the mascot um, and so they were still tailgating but then our, um, our principal came through and was not happy because one <laughs> of the people that asked for a parking spot, uh, was the opposing team's principal and he was mad that he had to pay for a parking spot. So then <laughs> my buddy, Kevin Wong and Jeff Hamilton, they both got like, they all had to go to the principal's office then and there before the game. And they oh, had shit. to like sit him down and say, this is illegal. <laughs> You're selling school property. Uh but at the same time I was a part of that whole operation too. And like that night was crazy cuz everyone was on the phone of like oh shit like is Mikey you know part of this and I was like scared cuz I'm going to get suspended. They were talking about a long suspension for all of this cuz it was illegal. And so that next Monday um you know uh, Jeff had to stay home uh, for suspension. Kevin was like if Kevin Wong was like 4.0. There's no way he could get in trouble for mm-hmm. this. We're just being entrepreneurs and helping the cause, and then I was, you know, I'm I'm gonna cause a scene. So basically, like um, my dad knew lawyers, knew some good people. We wrote some articles together. We taught. We sent letters to the principal, to the athletic director, and explained this is not in the handbook, which we're told to praise um, as you know gospel. And this is like this is like we're sorry, but you cannot suspend us for something that like this was not this is no case for that. And here's the money. Um, but it was pretty controversial cause I wore a shirt, like, you know, free Jeff and free Kevin <laughs> and you know, people were talking about it and we still, uh, you know, we, we brought it, we brought it up in our graduation speech of who, just us being hooligans. But at the time that was my biggest controversy that I had to deal with. Cause I guess I talked to myself after, out of getting suspended.
0: I love that. Did it make like the local news? Like newspapers or
1: anything? Oh no, not. Like, I don't think it was that big. It might have been like school paper. Yeah, but, of course. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, obviously, there's been senior pranks, and but never in my time. That was a whole different class.
0: Yeah. All right, it's time for your second question for me.
1: Um, what's an experience that was really creatively inspiring for you?
0: Uh, when I was in college. So, I, um, I'm a big professional wrestling fan. I always have been, yeah. well, since I was young. Um, I was always, like, hooked by the story and the characters. And so, when I was old enough to realize that there were, like, people that wrote the stories, um, that's what I wanted to do. And so, when I was in college, I, I went to this local uh, professional wrestling company in Cincinnati. Um, and got an internship there and worked my way up and basically got to be one of the people on the writing team there. Um, and it was the, it was the best, it was the (laughs) best, it was the best experience, um, of, of even still, I mean, I love my job now too, but, um, like it's, it's not, it's a different creative muscle, right? Um, I work in like in corporate America and, uh, but, do getting to do that and then get to, I got to like eventually be the only person writing storylines for a while. Um, it was an experience I will never forget. It was, um, exhausting. It was thrilling. It was, I mean, it was so many things. And, uh, and one of my favorite, uh, things that have come out of that is that, um, there's a wrestler who's on, uh, all elite wrestling named John Moxley. And, um, John Moxley came to our school because it was a training center. Um, that was our, that's how the money was made was like training people to be new wrestlers. And so when John Moxley came through, um, and he had his first match, um, I had, I, came, I helped come up with his name and, and his first character. Um, Mm -hmm. and so John Moxley was the name that he was given on that show. And he's still John Moxley today. Uh, if you read his book, he does not remember me, um, and does not give me credit for it, which is fine. (laughs) Um, but it was, it was absolutely, you know, that was like, it was just, uh, that's what I wanted to do forever. And I was like sitting, you know, at age 21 doing that until I was like probably yeah 25 I got to do that. And it was, we had TV that aired regionally in Ohio, um, in like four different markets. We got to do touring shows. I mean, it was like, I can't, you know, and I was, let me just say this on record, not qualified for that. Like, I wish I could go do it now knowing like much more that I know now, you know, I'm a 21 year old kid who's in school for writing like of course i think i know fucking everything but i didn't know hardly anything and um but it was it was a blast yeah it was it was so much fun
1: Mm, that sounds fun
0: yeah if i ever see john moxley i'm gonna remind him that (laughs) i actually did that not cody hawk cody hawk (laughs) knows. cody hawk was the guy that like ran the school at the time and uh and he, I mean, like I saw him actually earlier this year and he was like, yeah, man, he was like, when he introduced me to his fiance, he was like, oh, this is the guy that like gave John Moxley his name and character. So I was like, okay, you know, at least I feel validated. Like I didn't just make this up in my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's, 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 um, it sounds like a really just like a fun job to be able to, you know, just to write for entertainment, like the, like just to entertain yeah, entertain to entertain. And it probably was just like such a good experience for, you know, your fandom, but to tie that in back to like, let's make this real. Let's, let's have fun. Let's, yeah. let's try something new. Let's, let's be different here. Yeah. Um, it all applies.
0: It was so fun. Like there's nothing like when you sit and write, like, cause again, we had TV tapings every week. So it was like, I would sit and write a segment, um, and think it to myself, like, This is how I envision it going, which, you know, eight times out of 10, it doesn't go that way. The two that it does and it goes exactly as planned and you like hook the fans exactly as you want them to be and they react exactly how you want. It is so rewarding. (laughs) And some of the other times are rewarding too. You just don't think so in the moment, right? Like, but it takes stuff in a whole different direction. So, yeah, (laughs) yeah. My second question for you is a little stranger. Uh, what do you think would be the worst thing to fill a piñata with?
1: <laughs> um, uh, probably glass. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be pretty bad. You know, it sh- shatters. Yeah, um, it's it's not good. It, yeah, I I did it one time. What? Um, I, put a can- <laughs> I put a candle instead of a piñata as it, as a mascot, and I, we were going to the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, as okay. the, our, our football team was going to the Fiesta Bowl, so I brought a lot of like Hispanic items to uh, Oregon State, and one of them was just a piñata. I filled it up with some of my favorite Hispanic items, and one of them was a candle, and um, I hit I was hitting it, and it, it literally was like it shattered. Oh. Someone someone should clean this up. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's not a good thing to put in a pinata.
0: No, absolutely not. <laughs> Great answer. I will not do that, don't worry. I have five year old nieces. I I definitely will not do it around them because they would beat the shit out of that pinata. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for your third question for me.
1: Uh what would be your walk up song?
0: Like as a wrestler? or just yeah, in general. a wrestler
1: baseball player when it does apply what's your uh sports walk-up song oh
0: uh, i don't know I, i've always like really liked um for, for purposes of this the uh song pretty fly for a white guy okay even though yeah. i'm not at all yeah. i think it's it's got like a fun beat it's like <laughs> you know it's like making fun of yourself a little bit mm-hmm. um yeah that's what i would pick for
1: sure it's good it's good <laughs>
0: In a similar vein, my third question for you is, if you were in a high-speed chase, what song would you want to be playing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Probably Immigrant Song, or uh, Led Zeppelin, um, or like Hans Zimmer Time, or not Hans Zimmer Time, Hans Zimmer uh, Dream is Falling something from inception something either completely orchestral like a like a dual fates or a, um i don't know anything that just has a lot of brass and a lot of just momentum and power behind it but if there's one that would be blaring it'd probably immigrants song.
0: okay right on <laughs> uh it's time for your uh,
1: fourth question for me uh what's one piece of advice that has stayed with you the longest
0: I, I must not be good at retaining advice because I'm having a hard time thinking of it. Um, <laughs> which is probably not good if you've ever given me advice. Sorry. um there the one one piece this goes back to the wrestling days um, because a lot of times in wrestling is like with other sports, well, probably less than other sports. but um a lot of times like people can get caught up in sort of like specific, things that they do or like little bits that they might do as their character. Right. Um, and so it might be like entertaining for a while and then it's just sort of like expected. And so it like loses its appeal to the audience. And so a lot of times, like when we were doing like working out matches that had like larger spots or like finishes or whatever the case may be, um, you, it was, uh, the advice came from Les Thatcher who was the person that started the company that I worked at in Cincinnati. And he used to say, um, you know, if I came into the office tomorrow and Jennifer Lopez was standing there in the office naked, it'd be pretty awesome. If I did that, if that happened every day for three years, it'd probably be less awesome. Like it would lose its appeal. (laughs) But (laughs) Les Thatcher's still alive, and I want to tell him right now, I would still walk in and see Jennifer Lopez naked right now, uh, this many years later, and it probably would still be appealing.
1: <laughs> but it, so it, it
0: stuck with me in a way that I'm like, <laughs> it got the point across for what he was trying to say. But like, yeah, it was actually a really bad example because she's just gotten better with age.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a weird piece of advice, but it's it definitely is still something I remember from you know at this point, 20 years later. Um, my fourth question for you is what do you keep under your bed?
1: Oh man. (laughs) Honestly, like I have, I have a, I have maybe too many like crew neck sweatshirts. Okay. Um, and I have like just a storage of just like some vintage sweatshirts that I've don't have room for anymore in like an actual functional way but i have like these bigger coats that are a little bit more niche and sweatshirts that are i don't really use so i have um i guess i have my my precious uh (laughs) uh, vintage uh sweatshirts that i'll bring out here and there stored away because i don't really have any more room for it
0: (laughs) Do you have like a, this is a bonus question, not my fifth question, just to clarify. So you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Do you have a favorite sweatshirt that's being stored underneath your bed?
1: Yes, it is a promo sweatshirt for the movie Independence Day. Okay. Um, It is from 1995. Wow. And it is my favorite crew neck. It's a beautiful 90s movie. One of my favorite movies. Uh, but I, I don't know. I really like movie promo, um, just sweatshirts in general. I think they're unique, but I also just love movies and how all the promo stuff came out back in the day. Yeah. Um, so I have even just like shirts. I have independence day shirts that I have like long sleeves and I'm have really like them, the movie clothes.
0: That's awesome. That's a very, very cool thing to have. Um, sweet. It's time for your fifth and final question for me in this round
1: uh, what is your gas station snack haul?
0: Oh, that is a great question. And it varies a lot. Um, it's always a, um, the biggest size drink that they have for sure. Like fountain drink. I call them bedwetters. Um, mm-hmm. cause I have to pee so frequently when I drink them, but usually like at least a 44 ounce, if not bigger. And it's diet Mountain Dew <laughs> bonus points. If it's the crushed, like nugget ice, mm-hmm. um, from a snack perspective, um, for some reason on road trips, I really enjoy corn nuts. Okay. Um, I think it's just one of those things like I never think about unless I'm like at a gas station randomly. Mm -hmm. Um, even though they sell them everywhere, but I would go corn nuts. Um, and I actually just, I like the ranch ones the best because uh, I'm very Midwestern, (laughs) Um, but I would, uh, eat the plain ones as well. And I think they have a nacho cheese, but I will not eat the barbecue at all.
1: Okay. Yum. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, I know. Very random. (laughs) Uh, My fifth and final question for you in this round is what is your favorite hobby that you like to do alone?
1: Mm -hmm. I love making mashups. I love making, I love making remixes and like ever since in like college, I've had memories of, you know, during summer jobs, after my summer job, go home, and I pour myself a you know, nice whiskey and Coke, and I'll sit there with my headphones, and I'll make a mashup of different things that don't make sense and don't go together. Um, and I just like that process of being in my head, being able to edit, being able to completely obsess over something I'm trying to get done. And that was really like an, the only canvas I had maybe outside of like, I don't know, even like Legos, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Legos is a great tool and it was a great toy for at least being, for me to be able to completely be Zen zone out and create and write and being able to in college and to now, um, evolve that process from making remixes and mashups to actually producing original music. I really just love like the dj side of being able to work off of other people's music and things that don't necessarily go together to make something that does make sense and does go together and does amplify a mood and a and a feeling um within music um not to say I don't mind producing yeah uh, my own stuff and that just it comes once in a while and I have to have that like muse a little bit but I I know I can always sit down with an a cappella and make something unique
0: that's very cool do you share the result of that
1: usually i <laughs> i I, sh- I should shouldn't i as a musician yeah. but i don't and i leave it on my computer but i do have a soundcloud and i've done published you know m- my work that i'm that i have done i have i have like 15 songs on my computer right now i haven't pushed out that i'm waiting to have a time and a moment where i can focus and and just block out and write, but I'm gonna, I promise I'm going to be putting out music soon and publishing remixes and trying to go after being, um, somewhat of a DJ again. Cause I really miss the process of being in front of people and, and performing in that way. But I also love writing very unique music from maybe other people's, um, references of you know the originals to make something completely new and fresh.
0: Yeah. And that's very cool. Very cool. Um, awesome. Those are the, that's the fast, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the uh, five for five round. If you're okay, we'll move on to the uh, fortune teller round. Fast for yeah. fortune teller. Yeah, that works. Sweet. Okay. So this is uh, based off of a fa- uh, the fortune tellers that uh, I made in elementary school mm-hmm. and still now today. Um, and so what I'll do is I'll use the fortune teller to reveal an activity that will then uh, be the final activity of the uh podcast and I will ask you a series of questions to get to revealing that activity. Okay. So the first one is um you and I are on a road trip and I would like for you to start a boy band playlist. Um <laughs> would you pick a song from Backstreet Boys, One Direction, In Sync or 98 Degrees? In Sync. In Sync. All right. Uh, To kind of build off of your your question for me, we stop at a gas station and uh, we pick up snacks. Do you pick, of these four, do you pick Sour Patch Kids, Milk Duds, Corn Nuts, or (laughs) Cheez-Its?
1: Sour Patch Kids.
0: Okay. (laughs) And we stop at an exit and go to a drive-thru to grab dinner. Um, Would you pick McDonald's, Burger King, Arby's, or Wendy's? Uh, McDonald's. McDonald's you have a go-to order at mcdonald's
1: and mcnuggets
0: good choice sauce
1: um sweet and sour or oh. sometimes honey
0: yeah honey is uh people are sleeping on honey as a dipping sauce for their nuggets
1: oh my goodness i've been some of my favorites it just yes. depends but
0: yeah it's so good though um underneath mcdonald's is the game never have i ever and so oh. what i will do <laughs> I will pull um, there's a, these are literally at random from this deck of cards cool. from this game okay. called Never Have I Ever <laughs> and I'll just ask you a few uh, if it's something that you have done um, okay. you know take a drink if not you can say no I've never done that okay. um, I literally have no idea what's behind this I'll right. tell you they can be really <laughs> messed up just so you know right. so the first is never have I ever smoked weed with a
1: cop uh, I right. Uh, when was, was it a current cop, police officer? It doesn't say <laughs> then, no,
0: then, no, okay,
1: Wait, let's no,
0: <laughs> you have not
1: not, no, okay, I don't think so, I well, don't think safe. so. You're safe, okay.
0: Um, left a restaurant without paying the tab. I don't know how this one came up again, it was on a previous one. Left a restaurant without paying the tab. I have done that, so I'm going to drink.
1: I, um, I don't think I have either. I've been, I've, uh, no,
0: I'm not proud of it, but it has happened.
1: <laughs> I, I used to, I used to work in somewhat food. So I've always felt like I've had to pay.
0: Yeah. I went back the next day and tried to pay my bill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's that guilt coming back. Yeah. No. It
0: was, um, the person that was working there talked us into it because what he, he had this scam going Where he would basically like, it was me and my brothers like went to this restaurant and he was a server and we went to school with him. So I knew him, right? And he was like, hey, if you just give me $20, which was cheaper than the bill, like I'll just take it as a tip and like you can walk out on the bill. And like, so he was like benefit. I know. I know it was so dumb. I was like a sophomore in high school maybe. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I went back the next day and tried to pay it. And they were like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um. Never have I ever chose not to invest in something that would have made me a fortune.
1: I've never
0: never had enough money to invest in anything.
1: (laughs) I, uh, I've gone after just a couple different, I guess things. And, and, you know, I don't put anything too much in. I always just like test the, test the water. But, um, I would say I, uh, the biggest thing that I hate is just like regret and not going after something or not seeing something through or not knowing um what it could have been you know bites me in the ass a lot sometimes but at the same time it's not to a point of where i think it could um you know not hurt me i i just want to be able to try it and if it's if it works well then keep going but i, I hate not knowing if it can pan out or something doesn't pan out um, Yep. so just i don't know increase the number yep. of swings and just don't look at a, those strikeouts as a as a big deal.
0: <sighs> never have I ever woken up to the DVD title screen music blaring on repeat.
1: Oh. I, mean, oh, I have done that, yeah. I've done that.
0: I'll drink to that because I've done it.
1: I've done that plenty.
0: <laughs> um, and the last one is, never have I ever tried to contact a deceased person. I've never done that.
1: I've done that. Not knowing they were deceased. Oh! oh. <laughs> um, and it's, I'm not. It's not funny, but they've been deceased for a while. It was an artist, and I wanted to work with this artist, and it was just. Got it. And I didn't know that they've passed on, and it was an email that I got back from the company saying, "Well, unfortunately, he has passed on." And will not be able to help out on this project.
0: Wow, so, I took that in a completely different direction. I was thinking of like a Ouija <laughs> board and shit.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: but I don't know. Got it. I mean, hey, look, it's open to interpretation. I like where I, you went with it.
1: I, I, I don't really. I, don't, I wouldn't. I don't like the Ouija. It scares me. I, yeah, I, I, I've
0: never. Nope. I was always yeah. told like you're, you basically if you mess with that, it's like if you what is. Yeah. My mom would be like, they're just going to like possess you. So yeah,
1: that scares me. Like that, that yeah. was in those types of movies and horror movies. I, I, it's too real.
0: Yep. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for playing. This is the point that we've been building to Mikey. Um, the moment of truth. This is what you've been building to. This is the time for the friend request. So Mikey Navarro, if Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request, would you confirm or delete it based on the time we've spent together?
1: I would confirm.
0: You would confirm.
1: We've had a great understanding of one another, and I think it would be really fun to continue on chatting, and hopefully one day we can grab a beer together.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. If you're listening at home, we want to hear from you with ideas for what we should do the first time, besides grab a beer, the first time that we hang out. So if you can, you can hit us um, up on Instagram or Twitter. You can text the podcast at 872-267-2735. Mikey, can you tell people where they can find you and your work, and um, and we'll put the links also in the show notes.
1: Sure. Uh, yes, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mikey Makes, and that's Mikey Makes with a Z. Um, Twitter, it's Michael Mikey Navarro with a zero at the end, Mikey Navarro zero. Um, and you can find my work at Mikey Pizza, um, and then just keep keep in touch um i hope to make some other projects and some splashes and dents in this world for the creative betterment and just want to keep entertaining and hopefully one day um, have you watch a movie we make that is completely nainers and fun and just want to keep making
0: i love it i love it and don't forget um to tweet the oregon duck (laughs) and let them know that you heard about the book um, A Duck from Oregon Tries to Fly on this podcast and you would like to be entered to win a copy of that book yes awesome Mikey thanks so much for taking time to hang out with me it's been awesome to get to know you Um, and like you said I can't wait to get a chance to catch up with you in real life
1: absolutely Uh, my pleasure thank you for having me on
0: of course have a good night man take care bye Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.